Welcome everyone to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. I'm Joe Van Hoogen. It's been my honor to be the Bible teacher for this ministry for over 20 years now. We rejoice to come to you every weekday. This is a program of the International Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about our ministry and its missions fellowship in Boise, Idaho, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. We are looking at Romans chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, where Paul speaks of his vigilant prayer for the people in Rome, and then he expresses his desire to be with them and to minister to them some spiritual gift. What we have learned is that when we pray for others in the body of Christ, that we want to be with them. The diminished attendance in our evangelical churches, where people are happy to get their church experience in a book or a radio program or a YouTube channel, is a clear indication that we are not a praying people and we're not praying for one another as we ought. And now we learn that as we persist in spirit-produced prayers for others, we gain a desire to give to them what God is giving to us. In a sense, what happens is, as we're meeting with the Spirit and He's guiding us in these intercessions and in these prayers and He's shaping these prayers in our lives for one another, there's a sense in which we want to go and be with these individuals so that we can minister to them the Holy Spirit, that we can bring to them the life of the Spirit that He is bringing to us as we pray for them and as we pray for one another. This explains the drive in Paul's life to be with the people of God. And it also explains the confidence that Paul has when he comes before them. He's not confident in his communication skills. He's not confident that he's just the one who's the best at this job that he's been given. But he knows what God is doing in his life. And he knows out of his prayers the authority that God has given him to minister that life to others. As you pray for individuals, as you give yourself to individuals, and you intercede for individuals, God will begin to steal within your heart to a ministry of his own life that you know he wants you to impart to them and share with them. So you want to be with them in order to do that. Here's another thing I want you to see here. Number three, if you approach others prayerfully, if you approach the way you minister or serve others or your fellowship within the body of Christ prayerfully, you will begin to understand that what they need above everything else is to be strengthened in the Lord Jesus. In other words, you'll begin to realize that what they need is the Lord Jesus, to live in him to live for him, to surrender to his words and to his will and to his presence and to his power, to be done with the wisdom of this world and to gain instead Christ in his life as the means by which they should live a significant and abounding and overcoming life. Your whole desire will be to give to people the spirit of Christ and the life of Christ and to proclaim him to them. Again, go to Colossians chapter 1. We won't look at this. I I thought to do this this morning and just take you through Philippians and Ephesians and Colossians and Thessalonians and show you the prayers that Paul is praying. But what I want you to see here in Colossians chapter 1 is the ministry that's drawn out of the prayers that Paul prays for the people. It's in verses 25 to 29. At the beginning of Colossians chapter 1, Paul speaks of how he prays for them and how he desires that they would grow in wisdom and that they would have imparted to them this knowledge of God. But In verse 25, he says, Now I became a minister according to the stewardship of God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. God has laid upon my life a ministry to give to you from God's word. The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Remember, Paul has called himself the apostle to the Gentiles. 
And here's the mystery. Here's the message that he wants to proclaim to them, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want to come to you and I want to proclaim Christ to you and what he will do in you and how he'll express his power and his life and his glorious virtues in your own life. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. And to this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. All the instruction that Paul will give in the book of Romans, all the instruction that Paul will give to those who he is praying for, gathers around and finds its point of reference in Jesus Christ. There's no wisdom that we can give to anyone if it doesn't ultimately lead them to the necessity of building their life in Christ and living their life in the fullness of Christ. There is no wisdom that we will give to anyone that will be nothing but sinking sand unless we teach them that it's all about Jesus and him. You listen to the things that are being preached. If what you just hear are the warmed over virtues and pragmatic systems of this world and wisdom, they may be good. They may even work. We live in a moral world. You know, we're governed by moral laws. You follow those laws, life goes better for you. You go against those laws, life gets harder. But simply learning how to construct your life following the various moral laws that govern the universe without drawing upon the life of the Lord Jesus and founding your life upon the Lord Jesus and living your life for the glory of the Lord Jesus and living your life in communion for the Lord Jesus, you're building on the wrong foundation. It's all going to fail. and It ultimately ends in judgment and it's worthless. In fact, sometimes we do a disservice if we teach people how to live well without Jesus. But if they're strengthened and they're brought to the Lord Jesus and established upon the Lord Jesus, they grow and they develop in Him. And so I simply say this, that people that intercede for one another in a church that is a praying church, praying and interceding for one another is also a church that proclaims and lifts up Christ to one another. He's the one we want to know. Here's the fourth observation I'll make. And we'll just for today make this our last observation. When you come to this ministry through prayer, you see these people as the people of God. You see one another as the people of God. You rejoice that it's so. You now begin to pray for one another because you want to see each other. We want to see each other inhabit all of the grace that God would have us inhabit. Receive and live in the power of the riches of the saving grace he wants to pour out upon us because we want to see each one of us grow and flourish in the presence that we have with God and, and that we have from God and enjoy with him and the peace that we have from him. And, and as we we rejoice that this is the case, that this is our prospect and this is our future and we, we want to nourish one another in that and we don't want to see any of us miss out on the privileges that are ours in Jesus Christ. In fact, the great loss in the church is the loss of us not acquiring and claiming by faith the privileges that are ours. We want to see one another live in those privileges. We begin to pray that we would, each one of us, come to see them and enter into them and claim them and live in them and bow to them and find that there's joy in life when we surrender to the Lord Jesus. We pray for one another. When we, when we do that and we give ourselves to that, we'll discover that we cannot impart to individuals the great truths and the graces that God has given us and God is teaching us as we pray for them in our own power. But only as the Spirit of God fills our surrendered lives with the life of Jesus Christ. 
We realize that we cannot bring to them and we don't even want to bring to them the persuasion of our own abilities. We don't want to impress upon them our own instincts and we don't want to say to them, you know, just try to be a little more like me. See how disciplined I am? Why don't you discipline yourself like I am? And we don't want to do that. We want to place upon them and we want to bring to them the life of Jesus, not ourselves. It changes the very way we approach individuals. It changes the methods that we use. You don't want to use carnal methods. We're not simply trying to acquire an audience so that they can listen to us. We're not simply trying to find individuals that will adhere to our standards and our rules and our systems of development. We don't want to be a celebrity preacher. In fact, we just want people to meet Jesus and know him. Here's what Paul says as he's praying for these people. I want to be with you that I may give you some spiritual gift. There's some people that are confused by that because they say, well, listen, Paul, the word here is I want to give you a charismata. I want to give you a grace. It's the same word that's used in terms of the gift that the Spirit of God gives to the church in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12. And so they're saying, well, that's not what Paul's saying. Paul can't be saying that because only the Spirit of God gives those gifts to the church. They belong to the Spirit. It's the life of the Spirit. Jesus is the one in in Acts chapter 2 that pours out the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this is something Jesus does, and this is something the Holy Spirit does. That can't be what Paul is talking about. Paul must be saying simply, I want to do ministry among you. I want to express the unique ministry that God has and given me to you, and that's what really Paul is saying. I just want to use my gifts among you. I think there's some truth to that. I think there's some truth to that. But I also think there's truth in this way. Anything that we have to offer that is of value, anything that we have to give to one another that's any good is what the Spirit of God is doing in us. It's what God by His Spirit is working in us by His power and by His grace. So we're not saying, hey, I want to show you what the Spirit of God is doing in me. I want you to know the Spirit. I want to minister to you the life that God is producing in my life as I surrender and submit to Him. I want to minister to you the life of the Spirit and His truth, His grace, His power, again, that's a humble thing. Listen to these words that Paul says in Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. You'll see that what Paul is saying is not, I want to give you myself and my talents, even what God has given me. He says, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves as his bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine in the darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's, he's shining all into our lives. And we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be from God and not from us. God pours his spirit and his life and these spiritual ministries into earthen vessels. And what we say is we're all a bunch of crackpots, right? But God shined through me. God shined through me. The application is this, in your prayers for one another, attend to the Holy Spirit. Surrender yourself to his life. Let him fill you for the work of prayer, and in that filling you will find a quiet authority to extend that work of the Spirit and the ministry of his life to others. Pray in that way. Pray in that way. In fact, it may be that individuals have become disillusioned with the church and so they're departing from it. It reveals they've not been praying in that way. Maybe they've had ministry they believe God has given them and they're a little 
been out of shape because people haven't recognized and received it. Well, that would share with you that they're not praying in that way. They're not interceding in that way. Maybe they're, you know, insulted by all the labor they've given and it's never been recognized and it just shows you that, well, to some extent, they're not ministering in that way. Not ministering that way. But if we're together, let's be together doing these things. Let's pray for one another. Let's bow our heads. For us, dear God, may uh, the application be a commitment to approach one another the way Paul seems to approach those that he ministered to, prayerfully. Lord, let us be open to uh, being impressed by your Holy Spirit on who we should pray for. And then, having been impressed, may we just keep praying until you release us from that. Let us become a people who are driven to be with one another and find the necessity of fellowship by a deep longing that is formed in us by praying for one another. God, work in us the, the spirit that was at work in Paul who was looking for ways who, to get to the people in Rome, who was frustrated because the door wasn't opening itself up. God, may we have that kind of movement in our lives where we're drawn to one another. How will that happen? How will that happen, Lord, unless in our spirits, in our renewed, transformed spirits, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the one who even now ever lives to intercede for us, His Holy Spirit is moving us into life of intercession for one another. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.